Um, so last week, um, anybody have a quick question or anything? I always give you opportunity to ask a quick question. No questions? Okay. All right. So last week we, were, we started looking at um, what the Bible teaches about the sanctity of life, right? And uh, why this is such an important thing. Um, obviously, not only is it an important topic uh, that we're going to be looking at, um, but it's also um, it's, a, it's a controversial topic, right? Uh, especially with things that are happening uh, in our society today. Um, let see if I can connect here. So I can have my... Come on. Give me one second. Well, doesn't seem to be want to be connecting. Let's see if I can get it on here. What's that? Technology. Yes, technology. Yep. Is our Jeff? Is our internet down? Do you know? on this one. So I'll have to use like three different devices now. But we will make it work. We will. Okay. So we're talking about um, the sanctity of life, right? Um, And we were talking last week um, the importance of this and um, making sure we have the right worldview, right? Um, we kind of talked about like looking through a window, right? You can look through a window, um, and you can see the seasons changing, right? It can be summer, it can be winter, it can be fall. You can see people passing by, right? Um, but however we view it, that window that we're looking through, the window never changes, right? It's all the things that are on the outside that we're looking at changing, um, and so it's important that we make sure that we have the right worldview, right? How we're viewing um, these, these issues. And the only way that we can have a right worldview is if we go to what is truth, right? And truth can only be found in the Word of God. And therefore, we have to have not just a worldview, uh, not just an American worldview, not just a... Uh, Christian worldview, but we have to have a biblical worldview. So everything we look at, no matter what changes, because let's face it, it's, it's always going to change, right? Uh, culture is going to change. Society is going to change. Issues are going to change. They just are, right? Um, how many people 20 years ago thought we would be dealing with the issues that we're dealing today? Just 20 years ago, 
right? We, wouldn't have, we would never have thought we we're going to be dealing with the issues that we're dealing with today. Why, why are we doing that? Why are we dealing with those issues? Because it changes, right? Things change. Um, but the one thing that never changes is the truth of the Word of God. And that's why no matter what we're looking at, we can always look through the biblical perspective and know that the biblical view is always going to be right, right? It's always going to be correct, right? And so a worldview basically is, uh, it's the framework of ideas and beliefs through which an individual or group interprets and interacts with the world. And for a Christian, again, that has to be the Bible, right? Now, there's different things that make up a worldview. We talked about that last week. Uh, Your home, uh, how you were raised, uh, the culture that you're in, the country that you're in, uh, all of these different things affect how we view the world. But what we must always go back to is what does the Bible say? And so we're talking about this, this idea of the sanctity of life. And um, we were looking last week how we were formed in the image of God um, and that life is sacred, it's sacred to God. Now, somebody, if you can remember, what does the word sacred mean? A lot of times we use the word sacred, right? What does the word sacred mean? We talked about this just a little bit last week. Anybody remember, what does the word sacred mean? Anybody? The word sacred means belonging to God, right? That's what the word sacred means. It means it belongs to God. So when we talk about something that is sacred, I I know we can use that term very loosely, but really, when we talk about sacred, it means it belongs to God, right? Uh, And so when we think about life being sacred, it's sacred, it belongs to God. Why, why Why does life, why is it sacred? Why does it belong to God? He created us, right? He made us. He is the one that gave us life, right? In Genesis chapter one, the Bible talks about how he formed man out of the dust of the ground, but then what did he do? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul, right? And so life is sacred to God because life comes from God. God is the one that gives life, okay? And so it's very sacred to God. Um, And we were looking last week, we just kind of Uh, I asked a question and I wanted you to try to um, do a little bit of research uh, on it um, because we were talking about how how we're made in the image of God, right? Um, How we are made in God's image. What does that mean when when the Bible says we are made in the image of God? Because in Genesis, right, um, the Bible tells us we are made in God's image. And so, what does that mean to be made in God's image or formed in God's image? Is it talking about the physical likeness? No, it's not talking about the physical likeness. Why? Because God is a spirit, right? God is a spirit. So we're not made in the physical likeness of God. In other words, God uh, has two arms and God has two legs and five fingers and uh, 10 fingers and 10 toes and all that. That's not what he's talking about when he says we are created in the image of God, right? When we're created in the image of God, we are created to have fellowship with God, right? We're created to have that relationship with God. We are created body, soul, and spirit, right? 
right? There is, a, there is the body, there's the soul, and there's the spirit. Now, the soul that God creates us with is what sets us apart from all other creation. It's what sets us apart from the animals, right? And this is where we kind of left off, and this is what I asked you to do. What is a soul? This is the question that I asked last week. What is, you have the fat man. No, not your husband. That's not what I was meaning. That's not what I meant. She has the fat man. I have not seen the fat man in a long time. I guarantee you, I know where you got that from. You have the fat man. Yes. For the, for the, show, hold that up so people don't, don't think I'm talking about your husband there. That's, she, there is the, uh, I remember using this or seeing this illustration. Uh, growing up as a kid, there's a fat man there, right? And he's created in three parts, body, soul, and spirit, right? Um, and, and so you talk about those things. But uh, obviously, we all have a body, right? We all have a spirit. That's how we are able to commune with God through our spirit. And we all have a soul, right? But what is the soul? What is the soul? Ms. Donna? Okay, our mind, our character, feelings, emotions, okay, all right, our essence, okay, all right, what, what, is, what is a soul? Really, Andy? It's a unique person, right? Anybody else? What is a soul? Okay. All right. It's kind of that immortal part of us, the part that goes on, right? Okay, so the soul is more self-centered. It's, all, it's about me. Okay. Anybody else? What, what is the soul? I mean, we obviously refer to it, right? We refer to body, soul, and spirit, right? But what is it? Ms. Allison? Mm. It's, our, it's our longings, our desires, the, those innermost things that, that we feel. Okay. Ms. Janet? Okay. Your conscience, right? Anybody else? So think about what the psalmist says, right? In Psalms 103... In verse number one, think about what the psalmist says here. Psalms 103, verse number one. He says, bless the Lord, O my body. No, 
doesn't say my body. Does he say my spirit? No. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then notice what he says. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Our soul, again, we have to understand, our soul is what makes us unique from all the other creation, right? This is what... If you haven't guessed by now, I don't believe in evolution, okay? <laughs> I, I don't believe that we came from monkeys, okay? Um, it, it, was, it was very interesting. My wife um, picked up a book at the, the library, and um, it was about the uh, cycle of life, right? So you have a tree, and that tree has, a, has an, uh, let's just say, a, a nut, an acorn, or whatever it might be, and, and that nut, that, that tree produces the nut, and then that nut uh, falls off and it dies and it falls into the ground and, and then it begins to grow and, and guess what it produces? It produces a tree, right? And it was giving different, uh, you know, different uh, things, you know, a tree and uh, some other different things. And then my wife thought, you know, th- before I just get this for the kids, maybe I should look and see what it says about human beings, right? So she turned to the back and all the way in the very back is where it dealt with human beings. And Guess where it went with human beings? Can you imagine? Can you imagine where it went with human beings? It wasn't that a human being has another human being and then has another human being. No, 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 no. It goes all the way back to that we were some amoeba floating in some marsupial soup, right? And somehow we uh, decided that we didn't like the soup anymore and we started crawling on land and um, we don't know where we got the feet from. They just happened over time. Um, we don't even know where we got the brain to decide we didn't want to be in the marsupial soup anymore. And to be, you know, it's just all of this. And then obviously it ends up becoming a human being. And I thought, it's fascinating. Fascinating. The only time that they ever did that type of cycle of life or whatever is dealing with human beings. They never did that with the trees or the flowers or anything else. They only did it with us. Isn't that interesting? Again, why is there such an attack even on mankind, right? Because we are created in the image of God. Because we are God's cherished creation. And from the very beginning, from the devil in the garden trying to get man to disobey God to these people trying to say that, you know, you came from nothing but a monkey and, you know, you were swinging from the vines and now all of a sudden your tail dropped off and you decided to walk upright instead of on all fours. And, but nothing else, you know, a tree has always been from a tree and a flower has always been from a flower. But for us, somehow we evolved. You see, again, this is what separates us. This is what makes us unique from all the rest of creation because we alone are able to reflect something in in, in human beings. We're not talking about animals. We're not talking, you know, the chimpanzees and the apes are not our ancestors, right? But in human beings, and only in human beings, are we able to reflect the character of God. 
An animal cannot reflect the character of God because an animal was not created in the image of God to reflect that character. An animal cannot have that relationship with God because an animal is not created to have that relationship with God. We have the capacity to demonstrate love. We have the capacity to demonstrate justice. We have the capacity to demonstrate compassion and mercy, gentleness, and kindness, joy. Why, why do we have, why are we able to, to demonstrate these things? Because these are all attributes of God. And we, created in God's image, are able to reflect and demonstrate God. We're able to demonstrate those attributes. That's why, uh, that's why when you think about it, the fruit of the Spirit, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering. What are those things? They're the attributes of God. You notice he did not give the command to be filled with the Spirit and to produce the fruit of the Spirit to the dogs or to the cats because cats are evil. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Not really, but... um, No, they they weren't. That wasn't given to animals. That was given to man because we are created in his image. We have a soul. Our ability to reflect God's character is limited by our humanity. It's limited. We cannot fully express all of the attributes that God can, obviously, because we are sinful, we are fallen. But still, in a sinful state, we are able to still demonstrate some of those attributes. And even more so, obviously, when a person comes to know Christ as their Savior, are we able to fully demonstrate the attributes of God as we walk in the Spirit? But because we are made in the image of God... We have the ability to mirror God's image in very significant ways. When you think about this, what is the soul? Different, many different responses given. The soul, yes, does deal with our intellect. It does deal with our mind, our will, our emotions, all of those different things. But here's, here's something that's very, very important. Hold your place. Did I even tell you to turn to something? Did I tell you to turn to something? Oh, yeah. So you don't need to hold your place there. Go to First Thessalonians. In First Thessalonians chapter 5. And those of you that maybe have heard me teach on this, this might be a little familiar with you or to you. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, isn't it interesting, whenever we talk about the body, soul, and spirit, we always refer to it body, soul, and spirit. But you know that is not how God refers to it. 
That's how man refers to it, but that's not how God refers to it. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse number 23, notice how God speaks. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole, now watch the order here, spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, we say body, soul, and spirit. God says spirit, soul, and body. Why? Because the spirit, again, is how we commune with God. And as we are communing with God and as we are trying to find God's desires and God's purpose and God's plan, then the spirit is then to control the soul. Our mind, our will, our intellect, our emotions. And then the soul then controls the body. It controls the body, right? So think about this. We, as how most people would refer to it, as body, soul, and spirit. Why? Because guess what is in control foremost? The body, our flesh. That's what's in control. And that's why, yes, when you, you hear, you know, you hear people talk about, you know, follow your heart and, uh, you know, just do whatever you think is right. Why? What, and those choices that are being made through our soul, through our mind, through our will, through our intellect, those choices are being controlled by what? The body, the flesh. They're not being controlled by the spirit, right? And that's why, again, naturally when we are obviously we are sinners when Adam and Eve died in the garden they did not physically die the body did not die the soul did not die what died there's only one thing left folks (laughs) the body didn't die the soul didn't die guess what died the spirit you guys are smart I'm telling you you're so smart it's our spirit that died We're separated from God. No longer do we have that relationship now. That's why God has to send his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins because our sin is separating us from that relationship with God. And so when Jesus dies now, our spirit is able to be made alive again. It's it's always there, but it's separated again. That's what the word death simply means separation right? We're separated from God. And so before we are saved, it is body, soul, and spirit. The last thing we ever think about is spirit. Why? Because the first thing we think about is our body. What do I want? What do I need? It's all about me. And how does that relate then? That controls our soul, our mind, our will, our thoughts, our desires. All of it is now about me. But when we get saved, when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, now the Spirit is made new, the Spirit is alive again, and now you have the Spirit of God trying to work through our spirit to clean up our soul. Because, let's face it, right? For me, I didn't get saved till I was 20 years of age, so I've got 20 years of soul that needs to be cleaned up. I don't know how old you were when you got saved, but however, however long it was, that's how many years that your soul has been being controlled by the body. And if you, if you didn't notice this, when you got saved, 
not everything just immediately was like perfect now in salvation. Did you notice that after you got saved, there is a constant struggle that is taking place in our lives? Constantly, daily, almost hourly, there is a struggle that is taking place. Guess what it is? It is the battle for your soul. Guess what's battling? The spirit is battling the flesh. Why? Who is going to be in control of your soul? Who is going to be in control of your mind? Who is going to be in control of your emotions? Who is going to be in control of your desires? The spirit or you? Who's going to be in control? You see, it's all, it is a battle for the soul. Hey, your, your, your flesh wants to stay in control. But the Spirit of God is trying to control you. And that's why Paul speaks so much about, about walking in the Spirit. Why? So that we do not yield to the flesh. Again, we, we, think this is, we think this is something that only Paul ever had to deal with, right? We think this is something that only, you know, the apostles had to deal with. No, this is something that every Christian has to deal with. Every Christian deals with this battle on a daily basis of the soul. Your soul is being fought over daily. The spirit and the body are constantly at war, right? That's why Sunday mornings... What happens? The body says, you just need to stay in bed longer. You need to stay in, you don't really need to go to church. You, you don't need to, you know, I mean, you've worked hard this week. You know, just, it's all right. You know, it's not a big deal. And the spirit says what? Get up. You need to be in church. You're going to be late. Get up. And what happens? Just laying there in bed as soon as we open our eyes, there's already a battle taking place. The battle is over your soul. Who is going to win? Who's going to win? Well, you'll find out. If you stay in bed and you sleep through or whatever, or if you get up and you do what the Spirit's saying, you'll find out who's going to win. But it's over your soul, your will, your desires, your mind, your intellect. Why? <clears throat> this, is, this is why this, our soul is so unique, right? We are created in such a unique way from all other creation. And this is why the soul is so important. This is why David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Why? The only way that I'm going to be able to have everything that is within me, everything within my soul, everything who I am, bless the Lord is if I am walking in the Spirit of God. You, you watch those days that you're mad and you're angry and things just set you off like that. You look back and guess what you'll find? You're not walking in the Spirit. 
Those days when you just can't get along with people at work and you just can't get along with your wife or your husband, you just can't get along with your kids, you just, I mean, you just can't get along with anybody. Guess what you'll find? There's been a battle taking place for your soul, for your mind, your will, your intellect, your desires, your emotions of who's going to be in control. The body or the spirit. It takes place all the time. That's why it's so important that we are in the word of God. That's why it's so important that Paul says to be filled with the spirit of God. Why? Because our body, our flesh is strong. And that battle, boy, whoo, it's constantly raging. And if we're not walking in the spirit, guess what's going to happen? We're going to find that the body, the flesh, is constantly winning. You ever heard somebody say, well, I just can't control, I just, I just, I just can't control my tongue. I just, whatever, come, whatever comes to my mind comes out. Do you know why? Because your body is in control. Because if the spirit was in control, not whatever's in your mind is going to come out. Well, I just, I, just, I just don't have a choice. This is just how I am. This is just what I do. You know why? Because your body is in control. Because if the spirit was in control, it wouldn't just be whatever you do. You're going to make sure that, Lord, am I, am I pleasing you in this? Before I do what I'm about to do, before I say what I'm about to say, is this going to honor you? Is this going to please you? Well, that's just not me. There's a reason why. Because your body is in control. There is a battle taking place for your mind, your soul, your will, your intellect. And somebody's going to win. Here's the great thing about it. You can help determine who wins. You get to help determine who wins. Because the more you walk in the spirit, guess who's going to win? The Spirit is. The less you walk in the Spirit, guess who's going to win? The flesh is. And see, this is, again, this is what our spirit is so unique. Think about, um, this is why human life is sacred. It originates from God. Uh, Our life is not an accident, right? That's what evolutionists want you to think. You're you're just here by a mistake. You're, You're just a cosmological mistake. Well, then what's the purpose of life then? If I'm just a mistake, why do I even need to be here? And it's sad that there are many young people, teenagers, young people, young adults being taught you're just a mistake. And they take their life. I'm not important. I'm just a mistake. I'm just... There's nothing worth living. So why am I even here? And they end up taking their own lives. Our life, your life is not an accident. It's not simply matter in motion. It's not just a random product of evolution. Our life is a special creation of God. That's why I'm, I'm so happy about this, this LifeWise Academy that's going into uh, the public schools. Because look, in public school, they're not being taught that they're created in the image of God. In public schools, they're not being taught that they are important. 
In public schools, they're being taught, you came from a monkey and so you're just a cosmological mistake. And thank God that there's people that are willing to go into a public school and take kids and teach them the word of God and say, you are not a mistake. You are precious to God. You are created in the image of God and God loves you and God wants you to know him. He wants you to be with him. Job 33, 4 says, The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. The breath of the Almighty hath given me life. In Psalms 36, 9, For with thee is the fountain of life, in thy light shall we see light. Since God, without exception, right? There's no exception to this designates human life as sacred, guess what you and I should do? We should designate human life as sacred. Life is sacred. There is value to it. And yes, life has a specific beginning. Life has a beginning. Again, we we talked about this last week. in, In dealing with situations like this, there are two things that we always must remember. What? Anybody remember what those two things are? There are two things we always must remember when dealing with issues and situations like this, right? What are those two things? Somebody tell me the first one. Anybody remember? Speak the truth. We must speak the truth. Truth is vital, right? But what is the second thing? Brad? Speak the truth, but speak it in the right tone. The Bible says we are to speak the truth, but we are to speak the truth in love. We're to speak the truth in love. And that's why when, we, when we're dealing with, with topics and issues like this, um, you know, you, might, you may know of someone that maybe has, has had an abortion or something like this. You know what? Do we believe life is sacred? Absolutely. Do we condemn someone because maybe they've had an abortion or something like that? Absolutely not. We don't condemn them. Look, we have to remember every single one of us that no Christ is our Savior, are sinners saved by grace. Every single one of us. There's not one person that deserves the grace of God. Not one. And so how we speak the truth is vital. Because you can speak the truth and speak it in such a hateful way that it is no longer love. It is hate. It's hate, right? And I think we've probably all, we have probably all seen evidence of that. People saying, well, hey, this is the truth. But yet the tone in which it is being spoken is wrong. But life does have a beginning. So if... Human life is valuable. When does it begin? Does it begin at birth? Does it begin at the third trimester? Does it begin at the second trimester? Does it begin at conception? When does life begin? I believe the Bible is clear on the beginning of life. All throughout Scripture, we see there's very special care that God takes to recognize the personhood of a preborn child. That a preborn child is a person. 
It's a person. You think about Psalms 139, verse number 13 and 14. He says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. What's he saying? He said, even in my mother's womb, God is recognizing David as a human being. He's not just an oops. He's not just a cosmological chance. He is a human being. You think about Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 5. He says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Again, where is he speaking about this person being? In his mother's belly, in the womb. Just like what we saw in Psalms 139. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. This child, Jeremiah, has not been born. And God says, I have a purpose for your life. You are not a mistake. You are not just here because of chance. You are here for a purpose, and I have a purpose for your life. Listen, folks, that's what these young people need to know. These teenagers over here, these young people in the back, they need to know that God has a purpose for their life. They're not just chance. They're not just an accident. They are precious in the eyes of God, and he has a purpose for their life. Whether they understand that or not, They need to know it. They need to make sure that not only the teachers, but parents. Man, I hope you've never said this. And if you have, I would plead with you to go and apologize to your children. But I hope you've never, ever told your child, boy, you were a mistake. What is that telling them? I'm telling them that they're not, they're not precious to God. You're saying you're not valued, you're not sacred to God. You're just a mistake. Oh, no, friend, they're not a mistake. They are precious, they are valuable, they are sacred to God. God has a, a purpose and a plan for their life. And I think this thing keeps getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> Does it not? I'm like, this is getting farther and farther away. What? This is not one of those that is supposed to slide down. What in the world? (laughs) Oh, wow. Yes, I'm having a growth spurt. (laughs) It's all right, Rachel. It's okay. Somebody got a remote control, you're moving it up and down or something. I thought for sure when I started, it was like this, and now it was like way down there. I'm like, something's going on with this thing. From the moment that God places that child in a mother's womb, God views that baby as an individual life. They are a human being. And even though they might be small, they are created in the image of God. You don't 
you don't get your soul and your spirit when you're born. You understand? We can say, oh, that, that, you know, inside the mother's womb it has a body, right? But then when it is born, that's when it becomes a real human being and that's when it gets a soul. No, you don't get a soul and a spirit just when the baby is born. As soon as, as that uh, child is conceived, they have a body, a soul, and a spirit immediately. And, and again, they are, they are so valuable. They are so precious to God. In fact, they are so precious, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to end here because of the sake of time. But it is so precious to God that even in the law, in the law of Moses, he stated that if there were two men fighting with each other and they hurt an expectant mother, a woman that ha- is pregnant, that she has a baby, and they hurt this expectant mother in the process, they were liable for the damage. And this is, this is what he says, right? In Exodus chapter 21, he says, if men strive... And hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him. In other words, the, woman, the, the child doesn't die, but he's still going to have to pay because of what he's done in hurting the woman. He shall pay as the judge determines. But if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give, and notice this, life for life. You know what, you understand what he just said? That that baby in the mother's womb has life. Just as much as the man outside standing there has life. And he says if that man in the process somehow hurts this woman and that child dies, that is a life. And God says that, that deserves life for life. That's, that's called capital, puni- or that's pu- capital punishment. You take a life, you give yours. Now, here's the thing. If that, if that baby was not a life, if it was just a bunch of cells or whatever, God wouldn't say that. God wouldn't say, well, you know, if something happens to a bunch of cells, okay, take somebody else's life. No, no, that's not what he said. He said life for life. Do you see how valuable that child is to God? That he said if, that, if someone takes and, and hurts that woman so that that child dies, whoever did it, their life should be taken from them. That's how serious God viewed this. Because that child is a human being. They have life. Um, and there's just so much, I, so much more I wish I would have got into tonight. Um. We're going we're gonna to have to stop there because I don't, I don't want to keep going here. Um, anybody have a quick question? Anybody have any, a quick question real quick or anything about any of this? Right? Again, that, it's so important that we understand when God says we are created in his image. Again, I know many times you'll refer to it as body, soul, and spirit. But I, I encourage you, use biblical terms. Right? Um, I, I, try to, I try to use biblical terms as much as possible. Not, not saying that the terms that man makes are, are not good. Um, but I just use it the way God said it, right? Um, 
I'm not saying it's wrong to refer to the Trinity, but the Bible refers to it as the Godhead. That's what the Bible speaks of. So instead of calling it the Godhead, or instead of calling it the Trinity, call it the Godhead. That's what God says. Instead of saying body, soul, and spirit, God says it's spirit, soul, and body. Why? Because the spirit is the most important part to be able to control the other parts. It's not the body that's the most important part. It's the spirit. That's why it says spirit, soul, and body, right? And so use biblical terms, right? Use those biblical terms. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying if anybody says body, soul, and spirit, I'm like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. No, no, you know. Somebody says Trinity. Oh, that's, that's, you know, that's not a biblical word. We understand what the word Trinity means. It means three and one. They're trying to describe the Godhead, but the Bible says it's the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's the Godhead, right? Um, so when, try to use biblical terms, right? It's important to use biblical terms, right? Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and, um, and then we'll be, we'll be dismissed tonight. Um, I don't think there's anything going on right after, is there? I know last week there was the teacher worker meeting and things. I don't think. Oh, we can go another 20 minutes then, you know. <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't hear any amens about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, better check with you. Yeah. Okay, we're going to pray right now. Yeah. Uh, and the, there's one group of people you don't want mad at you, and that is the nursery workers. That, you don't want them mad at you. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll be dismissed tonight. All right. Father, we do thank you that we can come this evening, Lord, just to study your word. Lord, to to examine this issue of the sanctity of life and realize how important it is. And Lord, to go to your word and find out what your word says. Not, Not to have our own view, not to just think that we know what is best and right, but Lord, to truly look at what you say in your word, and that's where our truth ought to come from. That's where our beliefs ought to come from is the truth of your word. And so, Father, I pray you'd help us in these things. Lord, may we speak the truth in love, but Lord, may we not forget to speak the truth in love. And Father, would you help us in these things? Lord, help us to remember how important it is that we walk in the Spirit because there is a battle taking place over our soul. Our flesh wants to control Lord, as a Christian, we ought to yield to you and walk in the Spirit, Lord, so that our desires, our actions, our mind, our thoughts, those things will all be yielded to you, so that through our body and the life that we live, others may see Christ living through us. Father, help us with these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, God bless you.